welcome to Books and Beyond with your hosts, Alison and Inika. Join us for information, entertainment, reading recommendations, and more. Brought to you by Auckland Council Libraries. Nga pa taka korero o tamaki makoro. No mai, haere mai kia and welcome to Books and Beyond. This is your host Alison and I'm joined in the studio by the graphic novelist Chelsea Furedi, whose novel Project Nought has recently been published by Clarion Books and this is part of the HarperCollins group. Kia ora Chelsea. Kia ora. Welcome, thanks for being here today. Look, congratulations on this beautiful book. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've got it sitting right here with me now and I really loved it. So now, for those listeners who haven't read the book yet, Project Nought is about a young guy called Ren Mittal, whose last memory is in the year 1996, when he has a bit of a mishap while getting on a bus. He wakes up and thinks that he might be hallucinating because he finds himself in Auckland in the year 2122. He realises that he's on a time travel exchange programme to help students in 2122 learn what history was really like. So Wren is a real life historical figure with so much to learn and so many complex feelings to navigate. Mm. <laughs> so I'll leave it there. I don't want to spoil any plot points. So, Chelsea, can you tell us a little about yourself and, and about how this book came into being? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm typically an artist. I refer to myself more as an artist than an author. Um, but I tend to wear like quite a lot of hats. Um, my main job is as a background artist at an animation studio called Muck Putty. And yeah, I would like to work on comics and illustrations in my spare time. Um, and so Project Nought happened because I liked posting comics online and I decided that I really wanted to try to get into publishing. And then how did it feel when you, when you got that publishing contract with Harper? It was really good. It was very like validating as an artist to be recognized uh, as a, from a company. Um, I wasn't actually originally contracted with HarperCollins. I was with a different company, um, but they got bought out by Harper. Oh, so right. I sort of transferred over with that buyout. Right, yeah, yeah and I, I reckon it, it must feel so good yeah. to know that there's so many people out there that really value what you do. Yeah, because usually I would post online, but just being in stores is such a different ballpark. Yeah. Just random people who wouldn't know me otherwise just picking up my book in stores. So yeah. I'll never know that they're reading it, but they're out there. <laughs> yeah, and so it's great for visibility. Mm, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, time travel. So mm -hmm. a lot of the book is about time travel. Is this something that you've always been interested in? Um, I've always been a little bit interested in time travel, but I tend to just gravitate towards any sort of story that I want to tell and no matter what genre it happens to be in. Um, so if I have an idea for something, it doesn't matter if it's if it's like a genre that I usually enjoy watching or not, I'll just want to research it and write it. That's Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good to sort of keep the, the scope pretty yeah. broad. Yeah. But I have to ask you this. Now, if you could time travel, where and when would you would you take yourself to? 
Um, it's not a question that I think about a lot. <laughs> I do. Um, but <laughs> I'll probably it? go to the future just to see what's happening. Um, yeah, this kind of close future is probably where I'd like to see the sort of hundred year. Because um, wouldn't it be interesting to see what what life's like, yeah. and you know what Auckland. Tamaki Makoto Auckland is like. Yeah, because so much can years. change in a hundred years. You think a hundred years ago, it's a lot different to now. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be really interesting. Oh, it would be if mm. um, I probably won't be around. Then <laughs> I don't think. But maybe yeah. science. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and you know, especially with the events of the last few months here, mm. you wonder whether we'll actually be underwater. Yeah. And there's a lot of volcanoes as well, so yeah. it might be a problem. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to know that you would, you'd go forward. Mm -hmm. um, now, when I was reading book, I got a real sort of heartstopper mm. vibe from it. And I, I was trying to think why, but I think it was to do with the, the friendships. Mm. And then the other thing I felt about the art, I, I'm... I must admit I'm not an artist, so I probably sound really naive, but I felt there was a kind of a, a dual sort of retro and futuristic feel mm. to the art. So I, I guess my question is, where did you learn to create um, such great, great art? Right. Uh, that's interesting you say retro, because I do really like looking at old comics for inspiration in terms of the inking and colouring style. Um, but yeah, it's just always been a combination of really admiring like an artist or a show or a particular style and trying to take that into my own work through like studies and practice. Mm. Mm. And I guess I'm sure natural talent has, has got to come into play as, as well. <laughs> um, you're probably born with a, a pencil or a paintbrush in your hand. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a debate of whether natural talent exists. I guess that can go for all fields as well. Yeah. But I was always really interested since I was young, so it's like, who knows how that interest gets in your brain when you're so young. Um, but it's from being into it at such a young age, it spirals so you'd get better earlier and then you're more encouraged to pursue it. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's so many factors yeah. at play there. Yeah. Now the, the characters, I, I loved them. Um, I loved all of them. And um, you've said that each character in um, Project Nought is loosely based on an aspect of yourself. Mm. I wondered if you could tell us a, a bit more about that. Um, yeah, you, you do have to pull from real life when creating characters. Uh, so from myself, but also the people around me as well, um, because that helps them feel more realistic and well-rounded if you can pull from real life experiences uh, in terms of how they'd react to something or how they feel about something else. Um, so I relate to Ren and like his more anxious or shy uh, social side, or I really in admire Mars's um, passion, or maybe sometimes his naivety mm -hmm. towards things. So I find a bit of myself in all of these characters. And I, I guess, um, as you say, if you can base it on either yourself or mm. people around you, that's how you keep that authentic feel. Yeah. yeah. I guess. And then um, because you, you'd said that about how you, you do your characterizations, I was thinking about that concept of writing as mm. therapy. Mm. Because we know that reading is, is therapy. That's how we make, make sense of the world and mm. 
try and put together pieces of our lives. But I sort of wondered if, if readers sometimes forget that, that writers are often healing themselves mm. or, uh, in the process of producing a book. Yeah, because the characters go through quite a lot, um, especially with like their relationships towards each other. So it's a nice way to be able to explore your own feelings in real time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I really loved the the friendship between mm. the, the friendships between the main characters. It made me think a lot about how queer characters. We see this in in literature now. They often experience relationships outside of of the binary, and it, I think it really adds to a, a richness mm. um, of story. And I guess there's just so many different ways of being friends or being in love or mm. somewhere in between. Yeah, I really enjoyed exploring different types of relationships in my comic um, because you would think that the main one would be the romance arc between Mars and Ren. Um, but I really enjoyed writing Gia and Mars's friendship because it's quite tested at points and mm. they go from being kind of um, a bit rough around the edges in their friendship to blowing up into an argument, to forgiving each other, um, and also the relationship between Jim and Phoebe, which could kind of be seen as leading towards a romance, but um, because of Gia's past, they have to work through why that might not be, uh, it might not able to happen. I, and, you know, because there's so many um, different, different strands or different types of relationship, mm. I could really see that it could give a young person hope, mm. perhaps some someone who hasn't quite figured out yeah. where they they stand in, yeah, in the of world. Course. Yeah, I'm very passionate about making happy queer stories as well, um, to give young readers options and a variety of stories that they could see. So it's not all doom and gloom if they're yeah. just going into themselves. Yeah. Um, so they can see that there are some happy endings out there. And for so many writers and artists today, they didn't have that experience mm. growing up. You might have been looking around and, hey, where are my people? Yeah, I was really searching for any sort of representation mm. when I was younger. It was just so hard to find and there was practically nothing, especially in young media. Um, so it was really exciting in the 2010s when things finally started to roll around in cartoons and books and graphic novels. So I'm happy to be a part of that wave. And um, it's it's so great that you can contribute mm. to you know to that amazing collection of yeah. stories that are yeah. still coming through. Yeah. Um, I found the book really witty in parts. Like um, you know you had really snappy lines like, "Well, what happens in the future stays in the future, right?" Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of foreshadowing there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's tr <laughs> actually that's true. Yeah. Yes. I, have you always enjoyed? the kind of the one-liners? Mm, I really, yeah, I, I think my favorite writer for comics is Brian Lee O'Malley, who wrote Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yes. Um, and he's done a lot of other works as well, but his work is very snappy and zingy and to the point, and it's just like a constant flow of like jokes and one-liners. I really, really like that, and I hope to push that more into my work in the future. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yes, very fast-paced. It's yeah. funny that you say mm -hmm. that because we're in the library at the moment and there's a Scott Pilgrim mm. book on the shelves just outside this door. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it's quite funny. And look, I didn't predict the, the twist mm. in the story at all. Um, I just didn't see it coming. <laughs> it, so it felt 
it kind of was like a punch in the guts yeah. <laughs> for me. But uh, so congratulations Thank on you. that. It really sort of amped up that mm. that dramatic tension. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people maybe don't expect graphic novels to have like a, a deep story or a, a mm. twist like that coming. Um, I find when I'm reading novels, you can usually tell when there is a twist at the end. So you're sort of building up to that and you're trying to guess along the way. But yeah. I think because graphic novels are, are quite a new medium for a lot of people, they might not be expecting that sort of thing in the writing. Um, maybe more just focused on the visual aspect of the story. So yeah, I, I get a lot of people telling me that they just had no idea there'd be like a twist or a reveal yeah. um, throughout the story. So that was really exciting. Oh, that that's so cool. I'm glad I wasn't the only yeah, one that yeah. didn't, didn't see I, it. I haven't had all. anyone tell me that they predicted it. Yeah, so. oh God, that's yeah. Always, always a win, isn't yeah. it? Now, when we look at the, the graphics, um, there sometimes is a difference um, in the point of view mm. of, of the graphic. So sometimes, um, the illustrations are from like a bird's eye mm. view or a drone or something like that. Mm. And then other times they're from the ground looking up. Mm -hmm. And I, so I was wondering how you decide how um, you're gonna frame something like that. Yeah, so when you're planning the comic, you do take a lot of cinematic rules uh, into account. So if you've ever thought about cinematography where if you look up at a character, it means that they're strong and maybe above you know, another character, or if you're looking down, it's because they're weak and uh, feeble or scared. Mm -hmm. um, so you use these sort of rules uh, to help push your story along. Um, so, or sometimes I would go really wide if I'm trying to establish a scene and show a lot of the surroundings and the characters in one shot, or go really close if it's a personal moment, those sort of examples. It's just to enhance the storytelling. Right. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad I asked that question because <laughs> I, I just had no idea. <laughs> now, when you're doing your, your planning and, you, and you're thinking mm -hmm. about a work, mm. do you find that you think in words mm. or do you do you think in images? It's uh, a good question. Definitely a combination, I think. I like to think of my stories as like little movies playing in my head. Um, when I'm daydreaming, I'll just imagine it play out like it's on TV, so it's very easy to see, you know, characters and what actions they're taking and what they're saying. Um, so that'll be lying in bed or in the shower. Mm. I'll be thinking about these scenes playing out, so I have to quickly get up and write them down so I don't forget. That's yeah. great. Yeah, daydreaming is yeah. so important. So much daydreaming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's very healthy. Yeah. Now, if we um, go back to the 1990s, mm. which is is when the the book start the story starts, would you? agree with me that that decade the 90s was you know like a hugely pivotal time mm. um, it, it was really that time just before the digital explosion I mm -hmm. guess yeah isn't it yeah and I don't know about you but um, it could be my age but I find that <laughs> art and music from that time is just fascinating mm. yeah it's very nostalgic era for a lot of people yeah <laughs> even though I was only a few years old during the 90s. I still yes. like, remember a lot from it. So would you, so that's actually good that you say that because do you think that younger folk like mm. you in some ways yearn for the 90s, you know, when still things were still pretty much analogue? Yeah, of course. Um, I think with the rise of social media, it's mm. gotten very 
uh, I don't know, it just, it just seems to continue to get worse every single year and as uh, people grow older, especially the young people who've grown up with the internet and yeah. probably didn't see it as a bad thing when they were younger, but uh, as things progressively get worse with algorithms yeah. and, and tech buyouts and all these things and data leaks and bullying, harassment, mm. that sort of thing, um, people are... Oh, and of course, like the addiction, how these websites are really training you to be addicted yes. to these websites, people realizing that social media is quite bad. Yeah. Um, the internet can be a bad place. So I think people yearn for the simpler times. Oh, that's interesting. Because right. I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was just people of my generation. Mm. <laughs> no, I think you more know. people are definitely coming around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And because um, people of my era sort of mm. did a lot of growing up in that early 90s mm. and you know so and I suppose of course so for us of course the music's like huge yeah late 80s early 90s yeah a lot of people yeah. young people definitely yearn to just go move away from the city and live on a farm with no internet yeah um, but unfortunately a lot of people's jobs just rely on the internet these days so it's kind of hard to escape it yeah, yeah. That, that's right. It's, a, it's so double-edged, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like I often want to um, just turn off the internet for a week and just have a little break, mm. but I kind of need it to market my books, so it's it's hard to escape it sometimes. Yeah. 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 A lot of the story takes place um, in the year 21 mm. 22, so we're about 100 years in the future. And I found the graphics... Um, that Auckland reminded me quite a bit of Gotham, mm. or Gotham City, and I was almost expecting the Batmobile to, <laughs> to drive by. <laughs> yeah, it was just a really interesting mm. sort of thing. Let's add a hundred yeah. to this and, and yeah, see what happens. Yeah, I, ha I still got the Sky Tower there, but it's been remodelled <laughs> and built up to be taller. And yes. Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's just an imagining of what Auckland could possibly look like in a hundred years. It's of course, not the way it probably will go, but yeah. uh, I always saw New Zealand. It's often quite used uh, as like a guinea pig country for technology, so I wanted to take that aspect and put that into the comic where Auckland is selected to be this uh, marveled place where scientific innovation is being used um, for universities and e education, so it becomes like this worldwide... Uh, what's the word? Like a spectacle? Yes. Because yeah. New Zealand is, we often feel a bit irrelevant in the world, but we'll always have one random thing that puts us in the spotlight. Yeah. Like that, Hobbiton or that's, that's <laughs> Taika right. Waititi. Yeah, and because and uh, we talk about the knowledge economy mm. and mm. saying if only we could come up with that one thing, mm. um, one bit of tech or something mm. would solve all, yeah. all the problems of, <laughs> of the country. Everyone would have money. and. Yeah. And I love how you talk quite a bit about time travel, mm. tourism, mm. and um, you know, I wonder what it would be like if we could all experience that. It'd be a mess. <laughs> Do you think? We, yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it would be a mess. That was actually one of the original concepts for my comic before it turned into an exchange. Oh, okay. Idea. It was more about uh, time travel tourism, but I quickly realised it wouldn't really work in theory. <laughs> Just too many uh, inconsistencies and timelines getting messed up. That sort oh, of thing. right. It, it might be. It would be an interesting concept for someone else to write about. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think this has worked well that you sort of pivoted yeah. to self-contained it to yeah. be much smaller of an idea. Yeah. Yeah. More more doable. Yeah. 
Now, one of your previous um, works that you're well known for is mm. the Rock and Riot mm. webcomic. Um, and once it's so humorous as well, I love how the description of it is that it follows the tales of teenage delinquents learning about gender and sexual orientations while still maintaining their fabulous hair. <laughs> so uh, I love that description. What was it like um, going from Rock and Riot to Project Nord? It was such a different experience because um, Rock and Riot is very, it's like kid friendly, it's very light on the storytelling, more about characters and shenanigans. Um, very like one-shot type stories throughout um, and yeah just posting it online versus being a published author so yeah going from the 1950s yeah. to the future I, I changed the art style as well to be more um, involved and yeah the writing was deeper so it was very exciting to be able to try a different project yeah yeah, yeah. oh I, I bet and um, what what is the difference um, between writing a, a web comic mm -hmm. and then um, a hard copy comic? Yeah. Um, well, with web comics, you are post you're constantly marketing yourself with every update. Uh, so you'll be posting very slowly, maybe one or two pages a week for people to read. So you have to really capture their attention every single week. Make sure there's like something happening, or else they'll get bored and drop off. Right. Um, so there isn't so much room in webcomics for like heavy exposition or long drawn out plots because people might drop off or they'll just forget what's happening because the story is just unfolding so slowly over many, many years. Um, so I found that's why Rock and Riot quite worked because the, the stories were very short. Yes. Um, so people would get resolutions really, really quickly. Right, yeah. and they're not, um, oh, I just found them delightful, but they're not too complex, yeah. really, are they? Yeah. And yeah. I just wondered about that periodical nature of, of um, the work, because mm. often anything that's, you know, that you put out every so often can actually quickly get quite stressful, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what sparks joy for you in, in your writing and illustrating work? Um, I really enjoy just knowing that people are going to read it and that they'll get reactions as well uh, and usually the reactions that I'm hoping for. Um, I really loved having a webcomic and having like a slow build up of romance and then that moment would finally come with the characters kiss and just getting like hundreds of people being like oh my god like oh, screaming in my inbox happy <laughs> that's <laughs> so sweet <laughs> those yes. are the days that i'd live for yeah, yeah. and that would be really rewarding i yeah, guess it wouldn't was, it? yeah yeah oh that's fantastic yeah you were talking earlier um about uh, graphic novelists that have have influenced you mm. did you have any other sort of favorite authors when you were growing up um i started reading I started getting into reading around like the Hunger Games Twilight oh, area. Oh yes. Um, so yeah, my works, uh, my reading joys came from like romance, especially or like the dystopian type yeah. kind of era of novels. Um, so I actually am planning on bringing that back into my next work with the more dystopian, post-apocalyptic genre. Oh, excellent. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. And because sometimes there's you know, you've got that dystopia slash utopia, mm. um, and sometimes it's a bit of a fine line. Yeah. 
perhaps, or, but not always. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm really looking forward to because <laughs> I can't wait to see see what what you're going to produce. The thing with graphic novels is they it's, take so long. <laughs> yes, I guess they yeah. they do. And so you've had to really look after your hands. Yeah, haven't you? I did. Yeah, um, I went through quite a serious hand injury during this comic. Um, just from overworking every single day and you know hours of work like on top of my job as a background artist so it was very straining that I didn't I didn't quite take care of myself I should have asked for longer deadlines in the beginning but I put it off um, so I ended up with a pretty bad hand strain that lasted pretty much uh, I don't know like when I first got my hands injured I couldn't work for months. Oh. Yeah, so I had to like just completely stop working and then tried working again on and off on like a lower rate and then got injured again. Oh, no. And so it stuck around for a really long time until I finished the comic and could finally like just fully rest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that must have been heartbreaking yeah, was, and yeah. and terrible when you try when you know when you've got deadlines yeah. and deadlines contracts like, like yes. I don't know I'm like what will the future hold for my career? Mm. You know, will I have to give up comics? I don't know. It's looking good now. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I haven't like had an injury in a really long time now, so yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so pleased yeah. to hear that. <laughs> now, our last question today, I was going to ask you what advice you'd, you'd give to a young person who was interested in becoming a, a graphic novelist. Mm. Um, yeah, for graphic novels specifically, you can always post your comics online you know it won't have an impact on your career or anything so just keep posting as much as you can and find your communities and share your stories and you'll slowly improve and learn over time the more you post and then yeah just don't give up <laughs> that that sounds like excellent advice yeah. and I guess uh, just jumping back a bit you probably advise people to look after yes, themselves as well yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's such a, a labour-intensive uh, labour of love. Yeah, it's just one of those things where artists will know about the dangers, but they don't really think about it until it's too late, yeah. thinking, oh, it wouldn't happen to me, sort of yeah. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, look, thank you so much for being here today, Chelsea. It's been an absolute honour to, to chat with you. Thank you. And um, I can't wait to see what you're going to produce next in five years <laughs> yeah but of course no pressure yeah. and um, yeah don't don't push yourself too hard yeah thank you so much this has been lovely so now to our listeners I'll put the links to Chelsea's physical novel and the ebook in our show notes and also I'll put links to Chelsea's Instagram and website as well so thank you for tuning in happy reading haere rā this program was brought to you by Auckland Council Libraries. Ngā pātaka kōrero o tāmaki makauru. Find us at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz Contact us by sending an email to reading at aucklandcouncil.govt.nz